Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is a special National Signing Day podcast we got going on here. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my lovely co-host, Holt Smash. What's up, Holt? Not much, Alex. Just uh, enjoying another National Signing Day. Um, kind of snug up on us, you know, due to the season just ending, the early signing period. Um I kind of like it, though. I kind of, you know, it's not like some long, drawn-out thing where, you know, you're looking forward to it for, like, two straight months and but recruiting news. It's good to just, like, get most of the stuff out of the way now, and then, you know, we only have a few players out there still yet to sign for that second signing period. I only know it's National Signing Day because my Twitter told me it was National Signing Day. Otherwise, like, I don't, especially as a Memphis fan, I don't look forward to football signing day. But I know a lot of people do. Um, how much have you been looking forward to this one? Uh, I've been looking forward to it uh, forward to it a good bit. Um, you know, obviously being a Mississippi State fan, usually the way recruiting works for us is we we get a bunch of guys committed early in the season, and then we just try to hold on to the best ones like through the end of the process. And um, the early signing period has definitely helped with that. Um, Definitely helped with Mississippi State's efforts, and they actually signed uh, every committed player they had today. So, ooh, it's big um, news! It's big news. I fr- I thought you first were going to say instead of <clears throat> we signed. I thought you said we were you were going to say our process is normal. We suck at <laughs> recruiting or something like that, but you didn't. Um, yeah. So my favorite part of National Signing Day is the drama with flips. Uh, there was a couple today. I know there was like the wide receiver from Maryland that flipped from LSU to Maryland. But I like I like stuff like that. That's my favorite thing. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm perfectly content with my team not getting any flips as long as we don't lose any. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there was definitely some surprises today. Not just flips, but just, you know, kind of just surprises. And that's always kind of the fun part, um, you know, especially when your team is the beneficiary of, you know, the flips or the surprise commitments, uh, so to speak. So, um, you know, the Auburn had a couple of flips today. Um, you know, obviously a few other teams. So um, definitely an exciting day um, throughout the SEC. And, you know, the SEC pretty much dominated the national landscape again, um, like they always do. Not really a surprise. Um, but uh, just a really solid day for pretty much the entire SEC, aside from like two or three teams. Yes, yeah, so you say that. And just to back that up a little bit, and I think – by now everybody uses 247 as like the ultimate source or authority on recruiting. I know there's rivals in ESPN, 
But the uh, I just I don't think it gets better than the composite index that two four seven's got going on. Um, but according to the two four seven composite, there are four, or excuse me, six SEC teams in the top ten, uh, and they are Alabama, Georgia, LSU, A and M, Auburn, and Florida. And then you have other ones that are still in the top twenty five with Tennessee, South Carolina. Must have always recruits well, even even despite them not doing great. And the Mississippi State snuck in there at 25. Kentucky's at 23. Ole Miss is all the way back to 38. I don't know if that's an indication of uh, Kiffin getting there late or what, but um, that's not as high as they've been in the past. Um, I would expect that to go up in the future. Any initial thoughts on, I guess, the top 10? I feel like this is just going to be the permanent top 10 for the next, like, 5, 10 years. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the way that Alabama and Georgia are recruiting uh, the past few years has been, you know, pretty amazing. Uh, but now Texas A&M and LSU are up there, uh, not too far behind. Um, you know, that's the thing, too, is like all these teams uh, up here, you know, Texas A&M is the one that you look at and they maybe didn't have the most success in the field. This is two huge classes in a row for them. Uh, Jimbo really knows how to recruit. Uh, part of the reason why he was so successful at Florida State um, is he knows how to bring in talent, and he's you know he's not afraid to do whatever it takes. Um, you know what I mean, like on the recruiting trail, and he just knows how to get it done. And um, you know you have to give them a lot of credit and uh, a lot for A and M fans to be excited about going forward. Um, that's probably like, the one thing that stands out to me more than anything. So I mean, you know, we know what Alabama and Georgia are going to do. Like we don't even need to spend like a ton of time talking about them, but. You know, they just recruit the best players in the country, and it just kind of is what it is. Uh, but for Texas A&M to have back-to-back really good classes, um, you know, you, the future is really starting to look bright for uh, Texas A&M. I'm waiting for Alabama to drop out of, like, the top five. That's when I feel like the uh, Nick Saban reign will be over once they drop out of the top five. But even them dropping to number two this year um, feels like, you know, something's going on. But if you look at Clemson's class, it is, like, ridiculously great this uh, this year with six five-stars and 11 four-stars. Alabama's not too far behind with three five-stars and 19 four-stars. But um, how top-heavy Clemson is is crazy. And it's still, it still surprising me that Alabama is up there. Um, you know, Clemson Clemson's has, I guess, a better two-year run than Alabama, but – um, I think eventually like Alabama is going to fall off, but they just, they keep getting there. You know, Georgia has a lot of momentum. LSU has a lot of momentum, but Alabama is still the king in the SEC. Yeah, they really are. And the class is really headlined by Bryce showing the uh, dual threat quarterback out of California. Does it, um, does it bother you that he's 5'11"? That's what I was just about to say is, I mean, even though he's 5'11", um, you know, he's still the number one quarterback in the country, number six player overall. Um you know, I personally have not gotten a chance to watch him play, uh, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like a similar situation where, like, I was surprised that he was so highly recruited being, you know, so undersized. But, um, you know, I think for the college game, uh, it's definitely, you know, been proven time and time again that height isn't the determining factor for quarterbacks. And the NFL has even kind of started to loosen up on that a little bit as well. So I think height's just not as big of a deal as it used to be. Um I think when you look at Bryce Young, you know, you're looking at uh, guys really the complete package, um, b- being able to run and throw the ball. Um, you know, obviously someone that Alabama fans are really excited about and looks to be the heir apparent, you know, a quarterback. Yeah, it's um, – and you have said a lot of things that I actually was going to say with 
comparing him to Kyler Murray. The only thing I would say about Kyler Murray is that I actually thought he was um, lower ranked or ranked not not high as people were talking about him because he won the whatever it was Texas State championship like his senior year and. I think he broke records in Texas, which is not easy to do. And he was seemed like he was more hyped um, after he signed, and despite his like recruiting rankings. That's why, like, I think recruiting rankings matter to a degree. But there's, <clears throat> it's not surprising when four stars are better than five stars. Um, there's a lot of gray area. But with Bryce Young specifically, I haven't seen him play either. Holt, but um, interesting that he's the number one quarterback coming out this year with Alabama's situation next year, you look at Tua possibly going to the draft. Uh, we thought it was a sure thing, but now he's like acting like it's uh, up in the air, which I, I don't know for sure. I still think he's going, but you have, um, you have Mac Jones who everybody would just point to and think he's supposed to be the starter, but to his brother's probably not bad either. I haven't seen him play enough, but I'm pretty sure he's not bad. And then the number one quarterback. So, um, and Bryce Young. So it could be a great battle next year for the starting quarterback at Alabama. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I definitely would expect Alabama to make use of the redshirt rule as well. Yeah. You know, maybe if Bryce Young isn't quite ready at the beginning of the season, um, you know, they could sit him out, let Mac Jones play to start the season, and depending on how things develop, you know, you could even bring Bryce Young in, you know, later in the season and still retain his redshirt. I mean, I don't know if it really matters uh, with guys this talented because I think a lot of time you just assume they're going to be going to the NFL as soon as they're eligible anyway. But, you know, that is an option, and – you know, I mean, honestly, looking at quarterbacks the last few years, it seems like a lot of true freshman quarterbacks have been playing. So, um, you know, Saban wasn't afraid to play Jalen Hurts as the true freshman as well. So, um, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility that Bryce Young could come in and win the job. Um, you know, I mean, aside from, you know, Tua coming back, which, I mean, I still don't think he will, but if he did, obviously Tua is the guy. But, um, you know, Tua leaves, which I expect him to. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bryce Young came in and started over Matt Jones next year as a true freshman. Uh, I promise you we'll talk about the other teams in the SEC, but just to stay on Alabama for a little bit longer, um, people probably forget that they recruited the number one running back last year and Trey Sanders, but he got hurt right before the season started. <coughs> Excuse me. So he's another uh, possible impact player next year that you're not even considering. I'm, just, I'm also assuming Najee Harris is going to come out despite him not having as great of a year as I thought he could have. I still think he's going to come out, but um, Trey Sanders is going to be somebody to watch out for next year with Alabama. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, they signed two more really highly recruited running backs this year that are both in the top 100 in the country, overall players, um, the number nine running back and the number eight running back in the country. So, um, you know, maybe not a five-star, but definitely two really solid running backs to add to the fold as well. Um, There definitely will not be a lack of talent um, in Alabama and then – you know, aside from Bryce Young, the other two five stars, one's a defensive end, one's like an outside linebacker hybrid type. So, um, you know, continuing to continuing the theme of uh, dominant defenses, they've, they've kind of fallen off the last year or two. But, you know, it looks like getting those pass rushers back like they've had in the past um, or I guess getting back up to that level is going to be huge and getting the defensive back to where it needs to be. And um, I definitely expect Saban to make the necessary adjustments to get that defense back to uh, one of the top in the country. For sure. Um, the What I was going to say is that there's some schools in this this list or in the SEC in general that you don't necessarily think of like great recruiter. Rec, there's not great recruiters on the staff, but like there's just schools that recruit themselves. Like for instance, 
Florida's at number eight, and we talk all the time about how bad of a recruiter Dan Mullen is. But to me, I just chalk that up as Florida's always going to have a top 15 class, no matter who the coach is. And this is just further proof because I, I don't think that Florida's necessarily a great – or Dan Mullen's necessarily a great recruiter. But, I mean, people are going to want to go to Florida, and Florida has the talent base in the state for uh, for players going there. There's enough players to go around in Florida is what, I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I've been a little impressed with Dan Mullen's uh, recruiting ability um, at Florida. Um, you know, I, I definitely expected him to recruit better than he did at Mississippi State, but I, I thought his classes would be more on the line of like 12 to 15 in the country. Uh, but, you know, obviously this class, uh, ranked number eight right now, obviously some things may change, but, you know, most likely going to be a top 10 class or close to it. Um, you know, what's funny is I think a lot of Florida fans are actually really upset with them. Uh, I was actually reading through one of their message boards earlier today, and they all are sick of uh, Dan Mullen's recruiting ability, Um, which, I mean, if you want to get, like, specific about it and, like, the root behind these reasons, I think is, well, number one, Urban Meyer used to be the coach of Florida, and he was an amazing recruiter. And, um, you know, obviously Ron Zook, you know, before that was a really outstanding recruiter. Um, And then you look up the road at – you know, Kirby Smart in Georgia, the team that, you know, Florida kind of considers its main rival and kind of the last, you know, I guess, barricade between them and their goals, um, or at least taking the next step towards playing in Atlanta um, and how well they're recruiting. Um, you know, even though Florida might be number eight and Georgia might be number three, it still feels like there's a pretty significant gap there. And um, I think that's really kind of the root of Florida fans' angst. But, um, you know, one thing that – I mean, I'm sure that you were probably playing on that saying this as well, but um, the quarterback they signed in this class, Anthony Richardson, a four-star dual-threat guy, really big guy, 6'4", 224. Um, really big guy, really fits the Dan Mullen mold. Um, I was looking at his stats, actually, and I do apologize for not uh, doing more research before this, but uh, based on his stats, it, it looks like he may have – uh, been injured his senior year because he didn't put up near the rushing stats he did as a sophomore and junior. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what his situation is as far as that goes, but um, definitely looks like uh, a very typical Dan Mullen quarterback, uh, just a really big physical guy who can run the ball. And, um, you know, he may not come in and play right away, but he's a guy that two or three years with Dan Mullen coaching him could, uh, I think, really turn into a really solid player for them. And uh, his ability to develop quarterbacks, I think, may make up for the difference in recruiting between him and Kirby Smart, um, you know, and as far as his ability to develop quarterbacks and uh, put together a consistent offense unlike, you know, Kirby Smart's been able to do. Yeah, I would take top 10 recruiting class with Dan Mullen any day of the week. I mean, that's, that's a really good recruiting class. And I think, like, the, I think there's a difference between the number one recruiting class, number one ranked recruiting class and the number number 10 recruit rate recruiting class. But once you get into like the three to eight range, three to nine range, I don't know if there's really that much difference. There is technically, but I think there's, that's the point where coaching becomes more involved and more important. So. No, definitely. And I mean, you know, Jim McElwain had some really bad recruiting classes at Florida. So uh, just the fact that they're back up, like, you know, nationally relevant um, on national signing day is, is a big deal. And, you know, I mean, the other thing, too, 
um, is that, you know, they may be eighth in the country, but they're sixth in the SEC. So, I mean, yeah. you know, you start, you start looking at it like that and it's like, you no, know, Oh, we're middle of the pack in the SEC. And yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, I get it. Um, but you know Florida, what you're comparing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's who Dan Mullen is. You know, he's not Kirby Smart. He's not Nick Saban or Ed Orgeron on the recruiting trail. He's, you know, he's a guy who's going to develop players. And, um, but I still think that he's got Florida to, you know, maybe not their full potential as a recruiter, but, you know, fairly close. And, you know, as long as he's able to develop quarterbacks like he's done his entire career, then, you know, that's going to give him a significant advantage over some other, you know, coaches who haven't been able to consistently do that. Some surprise schools here um, outside of the conference. We've got Nebraska at number 20. Uh, North Carolina at number 19 is kind of a surprise too, but I, I'm waiting for Scott Frost to take over and um, prove his value at Nebraska. I think it's coming. It's just uh, this is one, I guess, one more um, anecdote or one more thing that's going his way is finally getting recruiting going to Nebraska. And then also number 24 is Georgia Tech. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I'm, I'm actually probably most excited to see Georgia Tech um, under a non-triple option offense at their full potential because, I, I like you, I think they have so much more potential than they did under um, Paul Johnson. Yeah, I mean, just their proximity to talent and, like, their location being in Atlanta, um, you know, seems like it would be a, a place where a lot of people would want to go to school. Um, it's a place that, you know, because of the airport there, you can get pretty much anywhere from the Georgia tech campus. So, I mean, you know, from flying, you know, you could get pretty much anywhere in the country. So, um, you know, it just seems like that would be a pretty good school to recruit to. I know they have some limitations academically, but, you know, I like Jeff Collins and what he's doing there. And I think Georgia tech has uh, a lot of potential as far as just being able to recruit uh, a lot better than they did under Paul Johnson. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there any player specifically in this class that you know about that you're really excited about? I would imagine that's more going to be Mississippi State related than anything, but um, any, anybody that comes to mind, Holt? Just that signed with anyone today or yeah. just in general? I mean, actually, well, he didn't actually sign, but I think probably the biggest news of the day, because I was actually just looking at this, because I still don't think he signed, but the number five player in the country – um, from South Carolina, Jordan Birch kind of made a little bit of a surprise and committed to South Carolina today. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting him to go to Georgia or maybe Clemson, and then I think Alabama and LSU were in the mix as well. Um, you're talking about a top five player in the country, um, the number one player in the state of South Carolina, um, you know, and w Will Muschamp was able to pull him and get him in the boat for this class, and that was just absolutely huge. And, um, you know, I mean, we say a lot about Will Muschamp's coaching ability, but uh, he's kind of the opposite of Dan Mullen. He like, is. He is. He's really the exact opposite. I mean, he's – It'd be good staff. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you could just have, you know, Dan Mullen actually coach the games and coach the <laughs> practices and then have, you know, Will Muschamp do, like, all the interviews and then, like, all the recruiting, you'd have, like, you know, you'd basically have Nick Saban or Davo Sweeney, but um, – Anyway, he, he's uh, an amazing recruiter, and it's obvious that players love him. And, you know, we talk about this all the time with, like, his personality. And, you know, um, he, he's just one of those guys that people just like. He, he's very just genuine, and he's just got a great personality, and people really gravitate towards him. Um, you know what I mean? And South Carolina fans really have a lot to be excited about just, you know, based on talent alone. 
And, you know, like last year was really rough, um, you know, obviously aside from the win in, uh, in Athens, but, um, you know, really rough year, but a really tough schedule too. So, um, you know, you just, you, you really, um, you really just don't think it's going to work out with Will Muschamp, but then like he recruits so well that it gives the fans something to be excited about and something to look forward to. And, um, you know, and I mean, even more so than uh, Burt's, the defensive end, um, was actually that they signed a, another really highly recruited, uh, recruited quarterback, uh, Luke Doty, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, a four-star quarterback, top 100 player in the country, um, you know, to come in right behind Tyler Holinsky. So, um, it's pretty amazing they were able to get him in as well. And, um, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to see him play quarterback for a Will Muschamp, but, um, you, you know. You might not if, want to. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, but at the same time, if you're a South Carolina fan, if Will Muschamp has another disappointing year again next year, I mean, you're in a position where whoever takes over is going to inherit a really talented football team. So, um, you know, I, I always think back to that uh, – uh, I remember those first couple of years of Houston Nutt at Ole Miss when they, they were really good. Um, you know, you, you talk about Ed Orgeron bringing in all those great players, but then not being able to coach them up. And then, well, you know, um, Houston Nutt. Coach yeah, Nutt. Houston Nutt just rolling right in and, uh, you know, coaching up all those talented players and they were really able to have some success. I mean, probably not a great long-term strategy, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think if they, if they're able to hire a good football coach after Will Muschamp, assuming that they have to let him go at the end of next year, then, um, they could, you know, whoever that coach is, is going to be inheriting a really good football team and, uh, could probably make some noise uh, in the East. Yeah. I would like to be on some of the recruiting trips or visits that some of the top ranked players have when they, uh, go to South Carolina, because like, we we can't see it because we we only we're on the outside, so we just see South Carolina sucking every Saturday, minus the Georgia win, and we're like, why would you? Or this is what I think: like, why would you want to go to South Carolina when you go to Clemson or Georgia or Alabama, anywhere else, and like have a better shot of winning, and you know making a difference? And your coach is like not necessarily going to be on the hot seat next year, but yeah, it just especially for a quarterback. A, yeah, and it just makes a difference whenever you're on the actual recruiting visit, I guess, and talking to the coach. Um, so it's, it's just crazy. I mean, that's another thing is that, that I understand what you're saying is that you could fire Will Muschamp next year and hire a coach that would have a lot of talent. But at the same time, <coughs> it's kind of like a reason why some coaches don't get fired quick enough is because they have a good recruiting class coming in. If you remember uh, Les Miles not getting fired because he beat Auburn and that, I think that was – Gene Chizik's last. Year. I don't know who was it. Was that Gene Chizik? I think that got fired. Um, I don't remember specifically. Are you thinking of the Texas A&M game where he yeah. beat Texas A&M and then kept his job? Oh, no, no, I remember that one. But it was like the Auburn LSU game where, or maybe, maybe I think that was the. I think it was Auburn LSU was the next. Auburn year. LSU was the one where he did get fired. Yeah, that was the next year where he did get fired. And the A&M game was the one where he won and they like took him out like they won a national championship on his shoulders, but. What I, what I was going to say is that year that they beat A&M and they didn't fire him that year, um, I think part of the reason was because he had like a number top five ranked recruiting class coming in. It was kind of hard to fire him and have some recruits decommit and go somewhere else. I think that's part of the reason. And um, I don't know, it's no edge sword. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine like, you know, you fire a shitty coach and recruits want to leave and like you could, you could hire a better coach and they still want to leave it. I mean, 
it's just about relationships, I guess, is what it comes down to. Yeah, it really does. But, you know, you can't be holding on to coaches because of recruiting. At the end of the day, if they're not a good coach, they're not going to win with good players or bad players. And, I mean, it, it kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, um, you know, it might suck at first and you might lose a few players, but, you know, you're not not—you're probably not going to lose, like, your entire recruiting class. It may just be, like, you know, three or four players, and it may suck at first, but, you know, in the long run, it's going to be better to have a better coach. But, for sure, you know, I mean, at the same time, South Carolina, you know, I feel like last year they had a lot of injuries. This year they had a really difficult schedule. And Will Muschamp has really done anything to make me think that he's a good coach. But, you know, at least they at least have, like, some excuses the last couple of years. And at least the win over Georgia at least gives you something to, you know, really be excited about. Um, so we'll see what they're able to do next year. But, you know, I mean, I'm, if I'm being honest, I don't expect him to make it past next season. But, you know, hopefully I'm wrong because I do enjoy him being in the conference. For sure. Um, who is the – this is trivia – who is the top ranked group of five team for the class of 2020? All right. I really don't know. So I, I am just going to make a educated opinion here. I'm I'll say Houston. That's good. It, I, my first guess when I, when I had to think about this before I looked at it, it had to be somebody in the AAC. Um, I would have said UCF, but it's actually the boys. No, Cincinnati is number. Oh wow, they're they're number uh, fifty three overall, and Tulane is number two, which is kind of crazy. No, or Tulane's number two in the AAC. I don't know what their overall ranking is. Let me see real quick. But <clears throat> Luke Fickle is getting it done now. Um, let's see, it's Cincinnati at fifty three, Tulane at fifty eight, East Carolina at sixty. So that's kind of crazy. That some of those are just numbers from getting all your recruits early. Like East Carolina is number number 60, but they've they've signed 24 players. So, I think that's part of the reason. Like, UCF's only signed 19, so I feel like they're going to sign more. That'll probably jump them ahead of East Carolina, maybe Tulane, too. But um, I think recruiting matters um, in the non-Power 5, too, but I feel like it matters a lot less. I mean, I, I feel like it's more important to identify talent that, so there's, that some players might be under-recruited or under-ranked um, that might end up being great. I mean, not to talk about Memphis too much on every single podcast, but their best players um, were not ranked highly at all. They were three stars. And if that, like um, Anthony Miller was like a walk-on before he ended up getting drafted by the Bears. So um, I just think it's more important coaching and identifying talent as opposed to looking at their recruiting rankings on 247. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, I guess – Group of five, like, you know, recruiting rankings still matter. Um, but I feel like when you're at that level, it really is mostly about developing players. It's sad because um, you can't, you because, can't get to top 50. Yeah, because no one's going to have superstar players at that level. So it really does just come down to finding guys who fit your system and being able to develop them over their career. But, um, you know, yeah. I mean, that being said, I mean, not to just totally uh, change the subject, um, but I did just want to mention, um, you know, I was I made reference earlier to Auburn having like a really big day, um, and it actually could get even better because um, the number two offensive tackle in the country has been committed to Georgia for a while, uh, actually a really long time. Um, Tate did not sign with uh, with Georgia today. Um, a lot of people think that that may have been due to Sam Pittman leaving for Arkansas, and apparently Auburn is. Uh, kind of in the mix there, so definitely something to watch out for. Um, it would be really big for Auburn to steal that. 
Uh, still this kid from Georgia. Uh, his name is Broderick Jones. That's got to hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Georgia has plenty of offensive linemen. Um, they're losing a couple this year, but they, you know, they've recruited really well there. You know, they signed another really highly recruited offensive tackle today, Tate Ratledge, uh, from uh, right there in Rome, Rome, GA, my old stomping grounds. Thank y'all ever cross paths at the Bojangles. Dude, we may have. I don't I know mean, if they, I don't know if they'd have had any chicken after we left. Yeah, it would only be if he ever went there because we know you were there. <laughs> yeah, that's a real question. Yeah, exactly. he he knew where, he knew where to find me if he, he ever wanted to. I mean, you you would think he'd have to go to Bojangles. I mean, it's offensive lineman, so you have to get big, and the only way that you get big in high school is like eat eat like shit. I think. Oh yeah, but he, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, obviously, if you're Georgia, like it definitely hurts. And, I mean, I don't think they're out of it yet. I mean, he's still technically committed. But, you know, I think there's definitely some rumblings that he could be switching his commitment to Auburn. So, um, definitely something to look out for. Auburn is losing – I don't know if they're losing all five or maybe four of their five offensive linemen this year. And, uh, you know, it's kind of noted throughout the season that they didn't have a ton of depth there. So, um, if they're able to swing that, that would obviously be huge for them. He'd probably come in and start next year. Yeah. you know, obviously at Georgia, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to win the job. So, um, you know, that could definitely be some huge news for Auburn. And, you know, it sucks for Georgia, but at the same time, Georgia has so many dudes that, like, it really just doesn't even matter. It seems yeah. like. It's like running uh, backs. They got, like, five of them. Yeah, I know. And um, and they still suck on offense, which is crazy to me. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, LSU, you know, they obviously did their thing. Ed Orgeron's a great recruiter. Um, you know, today wasn't necessarily like the best day for them. Like, you know, you made reference earlier to the guy they lost to Maryland. I'm totally drawing a blank on his name, but, um, you know, they were recruiting a guy from up in that area and Mike Loxley just did a really good job recruiting him. And, um, and he just wanted, yeah. And in the end, he just wanted to stay close to home. So, uh, they were able to keep Barrett there. Um, you know, tough loss for LSU, but, you know, I mean, they got the number one tight end in the country, and they got um, they got a couple guys from Marietta. It's kind of crazy that they still yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Ed Orgeron is you know he's a national recruiter, he's a rent- relentless recruiter, and with LSU's brand and the success that they're having this year, um, you know, he's able to go out and get the players like that. Yeah, I and mean, also I, Georgia players are a little bit more loyal now with Kirby Smart, but they're definitely not as loyal as. Louisiana players like it'd be a bigger deal for a Louisiana player to leave LSU than for a Georgia player to go to Ohio State, for instance, or somewhere else. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is that like I feel like when you're in a bit, it's just different when you're in like a big city. You know what I mean? Like I feel like a lot of Georgia kids in Atlanta, you know what I mean, may not be like as loyal towards Georgia. And then yeah. maybe some kids in like South Georgia may not, you know, maybe they might be, like, that might be Florida, too. Yeah. So, you know, but the ones obviously like North Georgia, like, you know, like Rome and, you know, some little towns like that outside of Atlanta, definitely going to be way more loyal towards Georgia. But I feel like Atlanta is a lot more of like an open market. Um, or Georgia Tech. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, Jeff Collins is obviously building his fence around Atlanta and no players are ever going to leave. But Can you imagine um, if he said that? I'm sure he said something to that degree on his like, um, press introduction to be a Georgia Tech coach. But could you imagine him saying, like, all right, we're not going to let any of our players get out of the city of Atlanta. We're we're building a fence, and they're not going anywhere else for Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, well, I, that would be great to see, but I, I wouldn't uh, count on it. You know what's funny is uh, Mississippi State's top-ranked player in their class is uh, from Atlanta. Um, signed a four-star running back um, out of the Atlanta area. So You're welcome. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen him at, at your local Bojangles there, but uh, – 
I'm sure. I'm sure he's been through there a few times. Yeah, we'll probably sit, we'll probably play basketball against the LA Fitness or something. That actually wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, except you never get on the court at LA Fitness. Um, so we'll talk about a few more things and then head on out of here. Um, one thing I like to talk about is how recruiting rankings don't matter when we talk about when we spend all this time and effort on figuring out which. 17-year-old kid is going where and why he's not going to your school. Um, I like when schools that suck at recruiting do well, like Wisconsin or Michigan State or Iowa, any Big Ten team that does great and doesn't care about recruiting or doesn't do well. Wisconsin's like the prime example of them always winning like 10 games and not doing a good job of recruiting. Yeah, well, they just – I mean, this, their story is developing offensive linemen and running backs and being able to locate – you know, or identify players who are going to be really good offensive linemen and really good running backs down the road. And they've done a really good job in the front seven as well. They've done a really good job with linebackers and um, defensive linemen. Um, so that's that's part of the reason uh, is just being able to develop that. And I feel like it seems like it doesn't even matter who the coach is, you know, whether it's Brad Bielema or Blake Anderson or, you know, now um, – oh, God, I just totally drew a blank on Wisconsin's coach's name. Paul Chris. Yeah, Paul Chris. Um, it seems like it's a lot of the same. I think it all comes from the athletic director Barry Alvarez. They all go to Cracker Barrel, bro. Yep, and uh, they they just they know how to grow them. They know how to develop them. And I don't do they have Cracker Barrel in Wisconsin? I don't. I don't think they do. But they they probably get their own like Wisconsin version, like of cheese cheese and barrel or something. Dude, do you think they order the Country Boy breakfast? I don't know, but there was a I would say prominent football media member, but like. He has like maybe a hundred thousand Twitter followers, and he is a Big Ten guy. Um, and he was talking about how he didn't understand why people in the South go to Waffle House late night. And then your boy Barrett Sally, um, or Sally, however you say his name, was was trying to b- back up Waffle House, and he was talking about um, you're not supposed to get waffles at Waffle House. And I was, I just had to, I had to go walk away from my phone because. He's probably not going to say some nice things after that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely pro waffles. You know, waffles come with all star specials, so there's like two two bad things there. It's like first, like you you bad mouth waffles, which I can maybe understand if you're not from the South, I guess. But if you're from Atlanta, like Barrett is right now, uh, him saying that like he doesn't get waffles at Waffle House, I just I don't know. Like that's like that I've been to Waffle House a couple different times where somebody has been with has gotten like the cheeseburger and i'm like what the hell are you doing there there's a reason why those are like on the dollar menu like jb uh jb would do that um but it wasn't him i don't think yeah but uh speaking of jb i mean tennessee had a had a pretty good day no no they're they're one of those like schools that are gonna recruit themselves they're they're always the top 20 recruiting class sometimes i mean but but they're not really like under Dooley, they were not a very good recruiting team bush jones kind of got them back on track (laughs) Um, but I think Jeremy Pruitt's done a pretty good job there, but it's mostly been on the defensive side of the ball. How um, would you recruit after after like losing to Georgia State? I mean, I understand they've, they've gotten a lot better since that, but like you're still talking to recruits the entire year, and like you have to talk to them after that Georgia State loss and say like, man, we fucked up without you. We would need you here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think players really care about that kind of stuff. Like that's the thing is that like you know we look at it through our experiences and like us watching Tennessee football our whole lives, but you got to realize like from their perspective, like they think that you know they're gonna be the ones to come in and like change everything. So you know I I don't I don't know if players really pay that much attention to 
like who's winning games and stuff like that. Maybe they may have like some biases towards like certain teams because they've been good like their whole life or something like that. But, you know, I think for the most part, like, you know, players can be kind of convinced that there can be a part of the ones that turn it around. But I mean, you know, it's still impressive. I think Jerry Pruitt's a really good recruiter and, um, you know, they signed a really good class. They did really good in the state of Tennessee as well. Yeah. They got uh, Memphis guys. Yeah, they got a few Memphis guys, got a few Nashville guys. Yeah, but they shit on Memphis. Um, it's great. And then they also got a Marietta guy. Um, of course. Yeah, they're uh, – What in doubt, cool. go to Marietta. Yeah, it seems like Marietta has, like, just – they they probably have, like, more four stars in Marietta than they do in, like, probably, like, I don't know, 15, 20 different states. I think they got a, they got a big sign in Marietta, like, right at the Walmart. Come on in, open market. Come get me from somewhere else. Right. And uh, but uh, Harrison Bailey, the quarterback, um, that's what you know, he loves. Really talented, uh, highly recruited, tall guy. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see um, if it works out. You know, obviously Tennessee's had plenty of highly recruited quarterbacks in the past that didn't do anything. So um, I feel like quarterbacks are probably one of the hardest positions to evaluate because um, you just never really know how they're truly going to translate and. Um, you know, so definitely good for them. And I did want to give just a small shout out just because he's from Mississippi and I've seen him play a few times, but they they were able to sign um, an athlete out of Jackson, Mississippi named Jimmy Holiday, um, played at Madison Central, actually played quarterback for them, was committed to TCU for a long time. And um, he's a little bit undersized, but he's got really good speed, really good quickness, um, wants to play quarterback at the next level, but I think that's probably unlikely. Um, I don't know if Tennessee guaranteed him a chance to play quarterback, but um, everything I've heard is that he plans to play quarterback at the next level. Um, but I think eventually he's going to end up as a slot receiver or corner, and I think he's going to be a really good one. So um, definitely kind of a guy to watch out for there um, for Tennessee. And, um, you know, also just while I'm on a, a roll here, um, really big day for Kentucky as well. Um, they've really kind of – Mark Stoops has really kind of taken them like to the next tier of teams in the SEC. Um, you know, Kentucky used to kind of recruit down with, you know, Vanderbilt and Missouri and, um, you know, maybe some other teams at the bottom of the conference, but they've really uh, stepped up into like the next tier of the SEC, you know, along with like Mississippi State Ole Miss and, um, you know, I guess South Carolina, maybe not quite that well, but um, kind of in that same tier. So, um, you have to give Mark Stoops a lot of credit. He's done a really good job in, um, you, you know, it's, it really starts in the trenches for him. I mean, uh, Justin Rogers, Samuel Anale, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, – or Samuel Anale, I don't know. And uh, Joe, Josiah Hayes from – God dang, Holt. These are some hard names. These are some hard names. Yeah. yeah, Josiah Hayes, I'm pretty sure I got that one right. But he's from Horn Lake, which is not too far from Memphis. So, got to give a shout out to him. And uh, John Young, um, nice American name. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, he, uh, you know, so all, all uh, on, on the lines of scrimmage. So really loading up on the offensive and defensive lines. And uh, that's really good to see. Um, and then, you know, obviously they're bringing in Joey Gatewood um, next year as well. So, um, you know, he's got to give Mark Stoops some, some credit. Um, you know, they're number nine in the SEC, but number 23 nationally. So, um, you know, it's really good to see them kind of take that next step forward and, Mark Stoops has really, you know, found his niche there. And, you know, not only have they been recruiting well, but, 
it's not like they're just feeding off of like, you know, highly ranked players in Kentucky or anything like that. I mean, they're going all over the place to get players, you know, um, they have a pretty good shot to land a, uh, actually a four-star player out of Louisiana who's supposed to announce tomorrow. All indications are he's going to be heading to Lexington as well. So, um, you know, they're recruiting all over the country. Uh, they got players out of, I think, like 11 or 12 different states um, in their class. So very, you know, very spread out, really outstanding recruiting job by Mark Stoops and his staff. And, uh, you know, they've really, you know, like I said, kind of taken that step up into like the next tier of uh, teams in the SEC. Yeah, they're no longer Vanderbilt. I think that's what you're saying. Right. And speaking of Vanderbilt, they definitely, um, you know, I mean, it's a very typical Vanderbilt class. Like, I'm not saying like it's bad or anything, but you know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. I mean, they recruit a lot of three star players, a lot of developmental guys and, you know, guys who aren't going to be immediate impact guys and aren't going to, you know, be probably future NFL players, but, um, you know, they'll bring them in, they'll develop them and, you know, they kind of build towards those one or two year runs that they have. Um, you know, I think probably the most disappointing right now is Arkansas, but uh, part of that is because of, you know, obviously um, the coaching change and Chad Morris kind of, you know, taking some players with them. But they, they did have a pretty big win today with uh, Miles Slusher out of Tulsa uh, as a four-star safety that I think kind of surprised some people by committing to Arkansas. So that's kind of the first big win for Sam Pittman. Um, and then they have a chance to get a uh, another four-star receiver from uh, also from right here in Memphis, uh, plays at Central. Um, so uh, pretty, really good shot to land him tomorrow. Um, and that'll be two, you know, really big pickups for Sam Pittman. And, um, you know, obviously 88th in the country right now, last in the SEC, not what you want to see. But um, they only signed seven players today, so they'll probably, you know, sign one more tomorrow and then, you know, they'll have to have a really big uh, finish on the second signing day. But uh, I think there's still some players out there for them to go get. Um, I think by the end of this, they'll probably jump up into, you know, probably around 60 or 50 and, you know, maybe jump ahead of Missouri and Vanderbilt in the SEC. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss had kind of a similar issue um, bringing in Lane Kiffin. Um, so he didn't really have much time to do a whole lot. Um, I think that, you know, this isn't going to be the norm for Ole Miss to be, you know, recruiting, you know, I mean, they're 38 in the country, which isn't terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, missed out on some guys today and um, lost a couple guys. So, um, but I think long-term uh, Lane Kiffin's going to kind of turn that thing around. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at very least he'll like have his name, out there, have Ole Miss's name out there. People will be talking about Ole Miss, and I think that's always good with recruiting. So recruits will know who he is. Um, yeah, so I think that might be it, Holt. Um, the only thing I like to add is that uh, you look at the top 10 teams in the recruiting rankings, and that's who your national champion is going to come from. I think historically, um, I, I, was, I heard this out a while ago, but like no team that's um, – finished outside the top 10 recruiting has ever won like a national championship. Uh, there's teams that have come close, I think, but um, always had a class in the top 10. So you'll lift the top 10 class and that's where your national championship is going to become coming from. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's the thing is, you know, you can be good um, and not recruit elite, but you can't win and not you're an elite recruiter. And that's just really what it comes down to. Um, you know, Alabama, Clemson, 
you know, even Oklahoma, maybe to a little bit lesser extent, but they all recruit really well. And um, that's really what it comes down to. And you're not going to – like, if, if you play a team that, uh, you know, is really talented but doesn't have their shit together, and then they play a team that's not as talented but does have their shit together, you know, yeah, you might see, like, an upset. But, you know, it then, you know some of the teams that are really talented are also going to have their shit together. And then, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have your shit together or not. If you're not as talented, then you're not going to win. Heck, right. bro, we got our shit together. Watch the fuck out. Is that what that's what... exactly what they're going to say. We, we eat our Bojangles. We're ready. Rome, Georgia. Rome, Georgia. Shout out. Um, your boy... They actually have two. Did you know they actually have two Bojangles in Rome? I remember you told me a story, but like the owner, the owner thought your main, your main Bojangles was getting upset a little that you're cheating on with the side Bojangles. Yeah, well, his Bojangles, you couldn't like actually go in the store. You had to like, it was only a drive-through, and I wanted to like actually go in and sit down so I could get my free refill. You know, dude, I am very big on eating inside. Plus, like people, people don't like sitting by themselves. I love sitting by myself, especially yeah. lunch. I used to be like afraid to, but now I like I like it way too much. Like I ain't about to go to like Chili's and sit by myself. Although I would at the bar, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Just- I was actually um, at Huey's last Thursday. Sat at the bar by myself, and I was just gonna like, you know, Thursday is kind of like my Friday because I don't work on Fridays. Yeah. So I was gonna like, you know, kick back and like have a drink and eat some cheese fries and a burger and just kind of like, you know, mess around on my phone. And I saw someone I knew, and they just came up and sat next to me and started talking to me. And I was kind of sad. That fucks the whole thing up. That's the only thing I wouldn't like about Memphis is that you're gonna see somebody you know. And um, every time I come back to Memphis, I always see somebody I know somewhere in Memphis. I'll see somebody I know. Um, but here in Atlanta, I don't know anybody, even though I have I have like three or four friends. But after that, I don't know anybody here. So it's great. They go to high school with them or anything. But on that note, Holt, I think that does conclude this podcast. We will have a bowl preview podcast maybe this weekend coming soon. Uh, first games, I think, either Friday or Saturday, right, Holt? Yeah, I don't know when the first SEC bowl game is, but I do believe some bowl games will start kicking off this Friday. So, you know, bowl season's always exciting, but uh, you know, most excited for those SEC games, especially the uh, you know the playoff games on the twenty eighth. So, uh, we'll preview all that, and we'll have uh, the Tender King of Memphis back with us uh, to help us preview that. I think we'll actually have our shit together too, just like the good football team. Yes, we are talented, and we have our shit together. What a combo! Thanks, guys, for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else at SEC Slow Smoke. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.